0: Hi, you're listening to Jeff from the FASD Success Show. It's back to school season. With that comes IEPs, IPRCs, 504s, and education plans. If those terms or processes are confusing and frustrating to you, we've got you covered in this week's podcast with my friend, Mark Kordopat. Mark Kordopat is one of the most popular experts in Insider's Caregiver Kickstart coaching program. But you don't have to be in the program now to hear his expertise. Hey, we're going to talk about how Mark became a partner to... an individual with FASD we're also going to talk about why with his deep respect for the medical field he calls FASD the haven't got a clue diagnosis what the number one thing he feels a caregiver should do to help their child with FASD and how to be the best armed advocate for your child in the school and community so if you're ready to get your learn on let's get after it welcome to the
1: fasd success show the only podcast where you can get real world information about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder this show will help you create calm in the chaos have hope for the future and more importantly save your sanity so you don't lose your flipping mind now here's your host caregiver turned world fasd educator jeff noble
0: Hey everybody, welcome, welcome to episode 118 of the FASD Success Show, I'm your host Jeff Noble, whether this is your first episode or your 118th episode, I'm just frankly so glad you're here, and I'm so excited for today's episode, you're going to learn a lot, so this is like a 10 timer, you're going to want to listen to it 10 times over, we got a wicked smart dude on the show today, and hey... If you like what we're doing on the show and you're brand new or you've been here for a while and you haven't subscribed yet, may I please cordially invite you to do so. We're with most podcast providers and it helps us because it lets people know that the show is relevant. It helps you because as soon as a new show drops, bang, it goes right to your device that you listen to podcasts to. Because, man, this is the FASD success show. This is all about creating FASD success with everybody. Individuals on the spectrum, those caring for individuals on the spectrum, those involved with individuals on the spectrum, everybody. Because when an individual on the spectrum does good, we all do good. Society does good. And they're worth it. And they absolutely deserve our love and respect and attention and accommodations. But the trouble is it is a very layered disability. It's a very misunderstood disability. You know, our kids look normal, talk normal, but then there are issues not only cognitively, but physically. So they've got a lot going on and it's up to us to learn about it so we can teach others who really don't have a clue. Now, we're going to be talking about schools today. We're covering a few topics, but mainly we're going to be talking about schools. If you're a school teacher, we're not here to shit on you. This isn't uh, bash the teachers. I'm not like that. It is about, you know, the royal we. How can we figure this out? And my presupposition is that teachers are good people and they want to learn. You know, there are the ones that are jaded, but we can't paint every teacher with a brush. We can't paint everybody with the same brush because there's just a lack of education. So we are absolutely going to get into that. Because why? Man, we are approaching. We are approaching for North America. We are approaching school. And I know some are going back real, real soon. And I know it is a trouble area for a lot of people. So we want to make sure. And if you're having a particularly hard time right now and you have not yet joined our free private... FASD support group on Facebook. You can do so by going to Facebook.com slash group slash FASD forever. Got about 4,500 sweet peeps in there, all talking it up, all sharing. There isn't a question that somebody hasn't dealt with. So it is refreshing for the caregivers. And we're growing every day because you guys are jumping in, because you guys are telling people about it. And say love be I love it. School is happening and What I'm going to do is just tease a little bit of a lead here. We're going to go right soon, right now, to the interview. But in the post-interview, you know, I go over the notes because we take notes. And I go over them and just to clarify some things and give some thoughts on the interview as well. But then I'm going to tell you about something that I'm going to be releasing hopefully by the end of the month. And if you want in on it first, let me know. So I'm just going to tease that. So stick around for afterwards and I'll tell you about what we're going to be releasing that if you are dealing with school and, you know, if you always wanted to send something to school with the kid to the teacher to let them actually know that's all I'm going to say about it. All right. That's all I'm going to say. So, OK, today we got a good one. We have my man, Mark Cortapat. I have known Mark Cortapat for maybe a dozen years now. He is. An awesome, awesome man. He cares. And he didn't start out as someone who was involved with FASD like most of us. But we are so glad that he is on our team because he knows how to dance in a boardroom he knows how to talk to people with titles and you know because that could be intimidating when we're talking to some professionals and they're using words but man this guy has the experience and he also has someone in his life on the spectrum his partner is so we're going to talk about that as well so i can sit here and tell you his bio and how awesome mark is but we're gonna actually talk about him so just mark quarterback him and his partner run the hamilton fasd support group it is one of the if not because i haven't been to all or seen all of them one of the best run support groups in the world and what he's been able to do and grow it and go from five people at a support group to now doing conferences is amazing so without further ado if you're ready i'm ready let's go Friends, here I am with a friend. I'm with Mark Kordopat. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show, buddy. I really appreciate
1: it. So glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Jeff.
0: Yeah, dude, I can honestly say we go way back. And I've been trying to get you on the show. And not for a lack of like you saying no, but you're probably one of the busiest guys I
1: know. So thanks for making the time. So glad to be here again. You're right. We do go way back. Gosh, I remember... You coming to one of our original meetings when we first started or doing the support group chairing at the church in Hamilton, in downtown Hamilton, and I think there were like five of us in the room, six people, something like that. It was, yes, it goes back. I, I actually know, had I'd more bring the hair, so. hair than... Too actually i said i know how to bring the crowd (laughs) but
0: listen whether it's six or 600 i act the same you know in terms of making sure they have
1: experience so well that's spun off for sure
0: so this is like we of course we have a lot of stories but i want to get into it because not only do we go back but i'm having you on because You have an awesome story, but you've also taken it to such a level that if people either have a support group or thinking about a support group, I think I've been around the world. I think honestly, yours is one of the best. So if we can give some insight into that, but like even how you started this journey, like you
1: weren't raised a disability advocate, were you? Not at all. Actually, to be honest, I had absolutely zero knowledge about not just fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, frankly, about how to interact with most disabilities. I think like the general public, typically uncomfortable, not really sure what to do, what to say, how to act. And I think that certainly was how I started on this journey, for sure.
0: Yeah, okay, so what did you do, or I think you still currently sort of do, like you are in sales, right? Or you like, tell us a little bit, let's see. Okay. Um, My
1: background actually is financial services. I worked in the insurance industry for a little over 30 years. My last role in the industry, I was chief operating officer for a tier two insurance company in Canada. I was the chair for the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association Committee on Group Insurance. So I actually chaired a committee with about 40 insurance companies in Canada, representing all of, basically all of the insurance industry in Canada. I did that for eight years. That was my volunteer thing before I actually knew pretty much how to spell the word disability.
0: That's, so you had this whole life and this whole career leading people. And then you end up dating somebody on the spectrum, you know, like your partner's on the spectrum. Now, obviously yes. we want to honor the disability. And, but can you tell us a little bit maybe about like how you met? And then, you know, because your partner's beautiful and yeah. like sort of that where you
1: started to see, wait a tick, what's going on? Yeah, we met through a friend, actually, um, and it was one of those things. She didn't know she had FASD. Like most people with, with FASD, they are typically receive any multitude of different diagnoses from the medical profession. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because most doctors really do not know, do not understand. You know, I'm reminded there was a, a research study done by Northwestern, I believe it was university a few years back. And they did a a survey research on university students and their knowledge of the exposure of alcohol and sex. And they included prison guards, social workers, healthcare workers, nurses, and doctors. Oh, and prison guards, if I recall, as well. And in fact, not surprisingly, the doctors ranked the lowest in their knowledge about FASD, even below, below students. So students fared far better than the medical profession. And I think, as I mentioned, I mean, she had a multitude of different diagnoses. I think her first diagnosis was an inability to do math, if you could believe it. I always, it's really bizarre because I, I mean, I grew up dealing a lot with the professional industry. My mom was a head nurse in Emerge. So I started off going to university. I drove an ambulance in Montreal no uh, to put myself through university. Yeah, So I really... I had the, the most incredible respect for doctors and for the medical profession. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to uh, no, paint no, them all don't. with one brush. There are some amazing doctors out there, and certainly I've been privileged to encounter quite a few and, and had a few, quite a few join our show. And, and certainly you know of a number of them we've had mutually on our shows as well. And the thing that really struck me most is quite often doctors, because they don't know you know, they they typically call it ADHD or, or or some other diagnosis, and I I always refer to it as I haven't got a clue diagnosis is probably what they really want to call it because they don't have a clue, and as we all know, not getting the right diagnosis. So when I met her, she did not know uh, she had it, and it was only in her. I think it was. Gosh, damn. She's going to. Be upset that I can't remember what age, but maybe she doesn't want me to quote the age. But it <laughs> she ages was older though, um, right? Like yeah, but I think age, it was yeah. yeah, I think it was about age 47, I believe, that she actually received her diagnosis. And I remember it was at St. Mike's Hospital. She received the diagnosis from at the time, and I remember her walking out of the room and falling to her knees crying. What kind of tears, Mark? Happiness. Happiness, it was finally, 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 someone understands, somebody knows what I have. You know, and I do hear a lot of doctors saying, well, we don't want, it. We don't want to diagnose them because God forbid they'll be pigeonholed or they'll be, you know, identified. And I, I, I'm sorry, I don't agree. I, I do agree that there's a the right time for it, the diagnosis, and they have to be able to understand it. But I've heard it, certainly seen many children who are very successful on the spectrum, because they understood it at a very early age. So they avoided a lot of those frustrations of why am I different? Why, why do things happen? Why do I cut and make friends? You know Why do I have this problem? And the parents who have been able to really communicate well, to help them understand that it's not that you're less than, it's not that you're bad, it's your brain works differently. And, you know, it's, it's, that's really what it's all about
0: where did the interest come from? Like, so obviously she's going on this journey of self discovery and as are you, right? Because you're experiencing her symptoms, right? Symptoms that she has. And someone's talking about FASD and being maybe your background and insurance. Did you just jump right into the academics were you, or did you just discover it with her?
1: Well, a bit of both actually. In fact, her mom was, I would call her a bit of a dog with a bone. She passed away a few years ago. And prior to her passing away, she truly believed that, that Savannah had, she saw an article, I guess it was a TV show from the US and it spoke about FASD. And she thought, oh my God, that's what she has. So she went from doctor to doctor to try to get a diagnosis. And of course, encountered you know brick walls, if you will. They... Mm-hmm. They really, and either from a resistance or from a lack of knowledge. And as a result of that, so we kind of started down the journey suspecting it, but not really knowing because she didn't have an official diagnosis. But, you know, as the saying goes, if you walk, you know, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's Mm -hmm. quite possibly it is a duck. And she really, uh, she's very smart, very high functioning, incredible wit.
0: Yeah, agreed. You I wouldn't you could never tell if you ever just saw her, she's gorgeous, she's friendly, she's you know, she seems when you see her outgoing, very engaging. Uh doesn't Extremely. look at all like she would be in her late 40s. But that's
1: the you're you're a little off on that, by the way. Oh, what's that? <laughs> I said you're a little off on that, but I won't well, I won't say that. Yeah, this yeah. is being recorded, so I'm gonna get into trouble here. See, but... I'm trying to get you out of trouble. Yeah. You know, okay, thank cut. you.
0: okay Okay, you're like that's the type of person she is but wouldn't that's the double-edged sword of fasd and on one hand they can definitely do that but what you don't realize is at least i didn't for a long while all the energy and preparation it would take someone on the spectrum to be able to present themselves like that
1: absolutely you know and it's it's one of those things that's sad but there are so many people in the world so many people have FASD Mm -hmm. or epigenetics of FASD that and because it's so misunderstood misdiagnosed that many many people have it and just don't understand it I mean I I guess it was about just prior to COVID I was involved with an individual apologies I can't remember his name and he was the individual who was slated actually he he did an interview with me way back when and he was actually just about to do a, an interview of with the individual who wrote the autobiography of Mary Tyler Moore, which, of course, everybody knows who Mary Tyler Moore is. Mm-hmm. And when he, he was new to FASD at the time, and when he started understanding uh, through our conversation about it, lo and behold, he actually interviewed the autobiographer, and the autobiographer came back, and I asked him, I said, so how did it go? And he said, he is... Ninety-nine point nine nine percent certain that Mary Tellermore had fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. She apparently, her mother was a severe alcoholic and drank throughout her entire pregnancy with Mary. Interesting. Mary was very successful, as we all know. She had an amazing show,
0: yeah, that ran yeah. for
1: many years, very well known. But apparently, before her shows, she would have meltdowns because of the anxiety of the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. you know, and and I think it's very telling that. I mean, she, if I recall, she was raised by individuals who were obviously not her biological mother. Unfortunately, her biological mother, I believe, succumbed to alcohol and as a result, didn't support, didn't raise her. But Mary ended up being very successful in life, as many are, with the right supports, you know, and the right understanding. And I I had a conversation with an individual recently who was with the Canadian press, association and he had a son who was recently diagnosed with FASD and his question to me is what is the number one thing I should do and I to help my son and I said the number one thing you could do is learn study it learn how to understand and support your child don't focus on trying to change him focus on what you need to do to help him and I think that's something that is not natural in parenting and parenting we we all think you know we try to shape our children we need to shape ourselves.
0: Yeah, man, that's a good one. Quote number one. Yeah, absolutely. So, is that you start to learn more? You start. Where did the fire
1: start? Well, like? yeah, she. Sorry, I, I digressed a bit. Apologies. No, no, I no. I, no I, 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 I got on my soapbox, Jeff, that's, and then I went on a tangent. Wait, yeah. her mom actually started a support group in Owen Sound and she was involved with the FASD support group. So then when we came to Hamilton and we started getting interested in it, we joined the support group. And Rick and Martha Bradford, who mm-hmm. were the uh, chairs for the group at the time, and they left to Africa to be missionaries. Yep. And they basically said, well, we're going to have to fold the group. And Savannah and I both said, oh my gosh, we can't do that. There are so many people that need help. There's so many people that don't understand it. So we decided to, I'll say it half blindly jump in with both feet and started to run the support group. And and, and I think since then, we really haven't looked back. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, over the years, we've changed it, certainly creating the website and had conferences.
0: Yeah, no, no, you don't gloss over this stuff. This is important. Like you went from, it was like five or six regular members to hosting major conferences, you know i I know i I, I spoke there i saw it with my own eyes for several years and then also getting some funding and also uh, and teaming up with other organizations right absolutely Uh, absolutely yeah like so don't like that's huge that's huge so i guess mark you don't have fast things you know and and you're like (laughs) well if i'm doing it i'm gonna do it is that what was up
1: well it i I think it kind of it was a bit of that and and Savannah was interested in it, and when she when she got interested in it, I really thought you know I've got to do this as well I mean I really felt she was my best friend I mean she really really is someone who I care very much about and yeah. and truly and you know, we like to think of someone that's close to us also as our best friend someone that we really care about someone that we want the best for so i I got involved with it and And I will say, oh, my gosh. I mean, I think even, Jeff, I recall us calling you for help at the beginning because we were so lost. And I remember we didn't know what to do. And we called you and we we tried to get your guidance and your your advice. But and that was kind of the start of the journey. (laughs) You were like, but. It was shit advice, but that was no. kind of the- no, 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 <laughs> I no. no. I just, I just, oh being no, no. Silly I, I, because I mean, you're I, so it,
0: stoic and serious in a good way, Mark. Like people don't get yeah. the way we're talking is the way you talk in a boardroom. Like I'm just messing with you, buddy.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we really, I felt like the you know like the the deer in the headlights kind of feeling. Yeah, the time yeah. Right. I, like I really like all parents and caregivers, right? At the beginning, side, it's shock. From my
0: side, Mark. And not to I'm not like don't have to disclose the conversation, but just from my side, I could literally watch your brain try and wrap your the rationale about it. And you kept asking clarifying questions, but I could also see it was going against everything that maybe what we thought we knew about parenting and what we thought about the people and good and evil. And that's why partly why you're successful is because you were asked, look at at the time, what
1: is this? Eight years ago, 10 years? Actually, a bit over 10 years ago. I would say probably about 11 11, 11 years ago.
0: So here you are asking at the time, like I was barely in my 30s, right? And so, but there's a humbleness to that. And you're right, deer in the headlights, asking everybody. And so did you find that once you gained that a little bit more understanding, Savannah started to make sense a little bit more. And then the relationship, you know, got even better. And did you have a man, people need to know about this?
1: Yes. And yes. I, I think the more I learned, the more I realized that I didn't know very much. And it's because. I had to throw away everything I learned about relationships, about how to help someone, how to be supportive, not understanding it. You know, we, we always say, and I think there's an article on our website, throw everything you ever learned about parenting in the garbage, because traditional parenting is the worst thing you could do. And that's kind of what I conveyed to the individual from the Canadian Press Association. I said, you know, everything you've ever learned about parenting, please don't use it please learn how to support your child. So we started on the journey. And as you mentioned, a collaboration. I mean, I, the one thing I've learned as well over the years is I made massive mistakes along the way with misunderstanding, not doing the right thing. And she has, has really been my, probably my biggest coach in what to do, how to do it. And I think as, as you well know, the, the experts out there are the parents and caregivers. They really are because they live it and breathe it every day. And if they can learn the right ways to do it, it's the ones. And you could see the children who are really successful. And you know, those. When I, mean, I, I certainly I ask the parents, like, how did you support this child? How did you, you know, where did you learn about FASD? And to me, those are the heroes. Those are the people that really has grasped, grasped the knowledge have picking the boat by the horns, and really said, "Hey, my role is to help this person. Help this person achieve their, their best." And you know, I, I know that a lot of parents. I mean, we've had so many new members come on, and and you could see the the, the sadness at the beginning, shock, um, crying, disappointment, fears. But it's like anything. When we understand something, when we know how to support it. When we see their successes, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So I really felt, and I know it sounds a little corny, but I really feel that every single one of us in this world is put here for a reason. And it wasn't for me to be an executive at an insurance company, truthfully.
0: I think maybe that was just some skills you needed to develop in order to really help our cause, because I think what you are really good at and what, you know, we need more of, and I wish I was as good like as you were, but you go into a boardroom, you talk to people that other people would be intimidated by. And the thing is, I've seen you and your demeanor, you just talk at the same pace, but then your words sometimes hit like jackhammers but you're not being vindictive like is that a fair assessment your life learning about the insurance industry running these big boards and then being comfortable in that position where you know people don't understand and and
1: you have to flip them absolutely i i and again I, i think everything happens for a reason and the journey of our life is is you're right is everything helps us a step along the way and I mean, absolutely. I was used to dealing of boardrooms and dealing with boards of directors and senior executives. And and at the time, I didn't realize that that was going to prepare me for many of the things that I've been exposed to in the FASD world. You know, I've had direct community conversations and meetings with the Minister of Children and Community Services. I've dealt with, you know, with many members of provincial parliament. And I'm comfortable. Uh, as I said, I, I I think more than anything, knowledge is power, and you don't have to wield the big stick when you have the power. Talking softly, working collaboratively, making them, uh, helping them understand what they're doing may not be right. I mean, I, I remember, you know, I guess it was a couple, I guess it was just, just at the cusp of COVID, just before COVID hit. I had a meeting with who Minister Todd Smith, and he was Minister of MCCSS at the time. And in the meeting with him, I mean, we tried to certainly make him very much aware of FASD as he was quite oblivious to it. But I, I, I really, what I did respect is the fact that he asked questions. And I remember saying to him one of our major concerns, uh, amongst many, I guess, but one of the concerns was the lack of diagnostic access to individuals with FASD. And I informed him that there are five requirements under the Canada Health Act and the province of Ontario was in violation of three out of five of the legal requirements under the Canada health Act, and his eyes lit up because he knew, and I gave him the documents. I, I laid it on the table in front of him. Right. I so said, it wasn't Here. just a claim. You backed it oh, up. Oh no, no, no. Right. I backed it up with the evidence. And as he knows, Ontario received, I think it was $18 billion last year from the federal government. But in order to get that money, You have to qualify. You have to meet all five requirements. They were in violation of three. So not only were they exposed to a massive class action and would lose without doubt because class actions are a breach of law and it was a breach of three out of five of the requirements under the law, but they also could lose $18 billion a year, which means if you saw the press yesterday, Premier Ford was talking about the hospitals Imagine what would happen if the hospital's funding disappeared, if they lost $18 billion.
0: Yeah, it's already in a hole. And then now $18 billion. Oh, it's- they would
1: shut down. It would be massive shutdowns. No. It would be horrific. Now, oh, he, by the way, he admitted it. He looked at it and he said, Oh my gosh, you're right. Actually, his parliamentary his assistant was beside him and said, Oh my God. So, guess what? About a year later, Minister Smith announces funding for FASD diagnostics. And he's given now a couple of million dollars a year. So that's where I think, uh, to me, that was just an example of being comfortable understanding the law and understanding where government, which unfortunately, many times, government school boards don't know the laws that they're actually supposed to follow themselves. But when they know about it, usually they stand up or else they pay the consequences because they know they'll lose in court as
0: well. It's so interesting because you're not a lawyer by trade.
1: I'm not, yeah. but I've, I've, I've had a lot of dealings with the legal system. Actually. Right. And, but that's uh, my
0: I, point. That's my point yes. is that you could still talk about the law and not be a lawyer because my goal is to empower the people listening mm-hmm. to this, that, you know, well, listen to Mark, man, no wonder doing all this, doing all this, no wonder he's able to represent like that, but average everyday parents and caregivers could also do the same. Because what I want to do is just oh. transition yeah. to one of my favorite topics that you talk about, about schools and IEPs. <laughs> I, I'll i never forget, Mark, the first time I had you on with the coaching course to talk to the participants and your opening statement was, 99% of IEPs aren't worth the paper they're written on. Correct, And everybody just stopped. And then you proceeded to, for 90 minutes, lay out the evidence as to why. Now, mm-hmm. we don't have 90 minutes, but I would love to give some insight. Now, remember the audience is worldwide, just like when you talk sure. to our group, and school is approaching. So what do you mean by that? And as much as goodness as you can give us about arming parents for having successful meetings or IPRC placement meetings?
1: Well, it, it's a, it, your your question is very timely, because the school year will be starting in I guess in a little over a month yep. away and now is the time when schools are preparing IEPs uh, for students IPRCs but and they may use different nomenclature depending on yes. the jurisdiction so of the world.
0: IEP I think most people know, you know, is the independent education plan that's what the acronym Indiv- is. Individual education. Plan. Okay, and then IPRC is a placement plan, right? So yes. uh, if you could just define those two, <laughs> I think the rest
1: people get. Exactly, and the IPRC is really defined. It's to it's to determine number one whether a child has ha, had requires accommodation, whether or not they fall within one of the categories, and based on that, it determines what level of supports they need. I remember there was one parent who lived in Niagara, and she had been trying to get her daughter in for an IPRC. She was in grade seven or eight, I believe at the time. And she, every single year, she's been trying to get her daughter for an IPRC. Every year she was turned down. And I said, the law requires in Ontario that you put it in writing. And I said, by the way, they have, I think it was 14 days by law to re- respond to you. She wrote a letter. She received a response. Her daughter had an IPRC for the first time in her life. And she was absolutely shocked. So that's, it to me, it's just a simple example of take the time, look at the documents, look at the Education Act in your jurisdiction, look at supporting individuals with disabilities, look up accommodation, the word accommodation. And there are some of the keywords that I said, Google could be your friend in that regard. And I really, you know, when I prepared for a lot of your sessions, Jeff, I would Google Australia, United Kingdom. Yep. And what I found is that almost virtually every single one of them almost identical. And, and it's not surprising, I guess, because for the, for the civilized world, everybody wants to be seen as supporting a child with a disability. You don't want to be the only place in the world that is, is not being supportive of a child with a disability. So generally speaking, they pretty much carbon copy and they copy each other. So a lot of the same methodologies, a lot of the same laws and the duty to accommodate are prevalent across the world. IEPs are, I mentioned you when you commented about that, not being worth the people. One of the things i found that typically they're not, You know, as I mentioned, they're individual education plan. I find that most of them are not individual. In fact, if parents were to actually collaborate amongst themselves, they probably find that in most cases, the IEP for each of their children, other than the name at the beginning being different, usually 95% or 100% is a clone. It's the same words, So there's no individualization in, in many of them. And even if they are individual, typically what happens is most schools don't understand what is required to support a child with FBSD and i'm saying most not all i don't want to say all, because there are some there are some amazing teachers out there there i hear that amazing yep i
0: hear that in our group we have great teachers but then i also hear the opposite so just as fasd is a spectrum i would believe so you know or the education system
1: for sure for sure and typically what i find is that most ieps do not include accommodations they do not include the appropriate supports or they're so generically worded, Uh, the way I look at it is, you and I, Jeff, both understand FASD, but if we were to take an IEP for a child, and because they're all different, every one of them is individual, and if we looked at an IEP and we walked in a classroom, we're going to be teacher for the day, My, my two words are good luck, because the IEPs would not teach us what are the early signs of anxiety? What what is the best accommodation for this child when they're overwhelmed? How should I be teaching this child to prevent them from being overwhelmed? What is the order of the classes that they should be taught? When do they need a break? Like there's so many things that are unbelievably critical to helping a child succeed at school. But hence my comment, when I look at IEPs, the vast majority of them are missing the information. I know that's also a big topic, but
0: what sort of information, in your opinion, do you find that's missing?
1: Well, there's uh, certainly, as I mentioned, accommodations. And and accommodations are required by law. So it's not a nice-to-have thing. It's a must-have. And the duty to accommodate is a legal requirement virtually across the entire world. And it's important that the accommodations are appropriate. And that's where parents and caregivers, because they should be collaborating with the teacher to. Because they know how to best accommodate this child together. And if they can incorporate that into an IEP, then this child will be at their, they'll have their best ability to be able to learn, to be able to succeed, succeed in class. I mean, I've been called in, Jeff, in situations where children were not accommodated and the child threw the desk through the second floor window. And the police were called. And then I was called in to help. You know, when I looked at their IEP of this child, I thought, well, no wonder. I'm sorry, but. hate to say it, guys, but you caused it, not the child. So they really, really need to take ownership. They're really, really, the IEPs are so critical. IEPs are legal documents when they're supported with an exceptionality designation by the IPRC, And by that, it means that if they don't comply, if they don't do what's required in the IEP, there are legal ramifications. Hopefully a parent caregiver never gets to that state, but The, as I said, the duty to accommodate. But if the wording in the accommodation is so loosey-goosey, well, then there is no obligation to accommodate if it's so poorly written. And the other thing that I find is they lack what I refer to as SMART goals. Okay. Uh, Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. And when I look at SMART goals, and and again, we have the info on our website, but SMART goals, by the way, I use them in business. You know, I mentioned about my career in the industry. When I had staff that reported to me, I had to have smart goals. I couldn't say things like to an employee, you need to work harder. Like, what does that mean? It's so arbitrary, so objective, so sub, you know—so subjective, I should say, sorry, that the fact that he shows up for work more, one more day this month than last month, that to him technically is harder than he did the prior the month. He's worked harder. So it's really important that we are very specific. What exactly is the goal? You know, and I've seen things like in IEPs, they will learn to control their behaviors. And I thought, oh, my God. Like, when I see that, to me, that sends up massive red flags. That tells me they haven't got, they really don't understand FASD. If they think that it's the child's responsibility to control their behaviors, provide the right environment, and the child's behaviors are supported, they're avoided. You know, it, it's, it really is a chicken and egg. So measurable, it has to be defined exactly like, you know, what will they achieve? How will we measure it? So that, you know, is it, if it is something that is understanding, you know, basic single digit math, they'll be able to learn how to, you know, to add single digit numbers with 70% accuracy or 80% accuracy. They have to be realistic and and realistic meaning they have to be appropriate for the child.
0: Like developmentally Uh, appropriate.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, my, the example I use when I've done the when I've done the, the courses for parents, caregivers, and in your group as well is, you know, take a brilliant child, a child who's absolutely brilliant in grade six, and put him into third year med school, and find out what would happen to that child. Within hours, days, they would become anxious, depressed, lose motivation, think they're dumb. would think they're inferior and they give up and that's what happens when you take a child with FASD or even not FASD they still have to be realistic for a child for any child
0: yes and the child would want to please and do well and they would give it a they would give it an absolute try but then what happens is they don't have the skills necessary to compete clearly at that level but yet People, instead of seeing that, you know, maybe the expectations need to be changed. What do we do? We get mad at, we shame, we tease and we suspend, we expel like in other areas. Like, so instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, we have to adjust here. You know, maybe med school isn't for you yet. We don't do it right. We, exactly. we just keep going because yeah. what's tough is kids, our kids look normal and talk normal, like they could present so well. Oh boy. So yeah. That's a challenge for everyone, you know. But the proof is yep. in the symptoms when you start to see them over and over. What happens when? Because parents tell me they hear they'll hear things like based on our district standards, you know, your child doesn't qualify for blank or, you know, in our district, we do not do IEPs for health disabilities. Like when the excuses start to come up, like what are some of the rebuttals to some of the more popular ones?
1: Yeah, I I would say that 99.999% of those quotations are incorrect the law is the law and you may find that a specific school board may in fact not be in compliance with the law yet their ministry of education would be shocked to find out that they're not doing things appropriately you know i i remember i remember and uh, i remember think his name was barry finley he was the yes it, was, it, the, it was
0: yes it's, remember, it was one of your members
1: husband wasn't it the doctor? No, 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 no. Oh, you're, no, you're, you're this thinking of Barry Finley. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, Barry Finley was with the uh, Ministry of Ed for the province of Ontario. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and he was, he published a, a memorandum for all the school boards in Ontario. And I'm, I'm mentioning this because he issued this memorandum. And in fact, it was designed what he said was in the memorandum, and I think it was December 11th, 2009, I believe is the date of the memo. I actually have it on our website. And in it, he defines that individuals with any multitude of potential, and he says potential, he said, whether they're diagnosed or not, ADHD, FASD, Down syndrome, and so on, will receive the same supports. And he refers to it as autism. It will receive the same and the reason was, why did he do that? And I actually had the opportunity. I remember Barry, by the way. I mentioned a few minutes ago about that parent caregiver in Niagara. Actually, Barry was called in on that one, and he actually gave them a cease and desist or told them to get in line. So it's quite often that you end up with a school board who may be quoting things. That's why I said, please do your research. Just look online. That do was my next question. To
0: yeah, where do they, where does somebody go to get the information? Like, okay, if I'm in a province or a state, where would I yep. go to learn this stuff?
1: Yeah. I and mean, so if, let's say the state is New York, I would look up in, in the education duty to accommodate New York. Just do an, an, any variation of that wording will come up with what the what the rules, what the laws are with relation to New York or anything, not Australia, United Kingdom, it just dot, dot, dot. It's whatever your jurisdiction is. And, and you'd be amazed at what you'll find there is, you know, a thorough, an amazing amount of information that will tell you what are the laws, what are the duties to accommodate. And when you're armed with that, print it out, bring it with you. I remember... By the way, I remember a parent caregiver actually having a difficulty with an IEP and getting supports and services. They actually printed out the Ministry of Education's Disability Support Manual and printed it out and put it on the desk in front of them just at the start of the IEP, IPRC meeting. It was the IEP at the beginning. And I remember she came back to me and she said, when they saw the manual, she said, before I put it down, I was getting some resistance. I put it down and the whole demeanor changed. So... More often than not, as I said, it's just if you understand what their obligation is, what their legal obligation is to support a child, then it's so powerful, so powerful. And, and truthfully, if you do your homework, I can almost guarantee you probably know more than the person across the table.
0: Why is that? Because, you know, we don't want to shit on all the teachers. Are, yeah. are some of these thrown oh, up? Gosh, no, no. no, I know. But is, yeah. maybe it's also good to know why the other side does what they do yep. are they thrown into roles that they don't know well like, what do you think
1: yeah I, I think there's there's probably two two things i think that that are challenges for the education system one which we all know how much information is out there is to help them understand FASD. I mean yes there is to some degree but there isn't in this in the edu- in the education system today. Children are not brought up to understand what FASD is. If they did, by the way, and I know that there's a bill before the province of Ontario that is going to make it mandatory for all teachers to receive FASD training, but the reality is that they're not getting that training. And so in their defense, I would say it's due to a lack of understanding of what is required to support a child. So they end up with IEPs that are woefully deficient because they just don't know they really, really just don't know the right way to support a child with FSD. And secondly, the bigger challenge is, especially this time of year, when you know, they have a classroom of children and they have to do so many IEPs, how do you really coordinate all the meetings with all the parents get all the input, get all these IEPs done, review it, modify it, for all the children? I mean, it's truthfully, they need help. They absolutely, And that's why I said to parents, please collaborate with them, help them, because they really, not only are you helping your child, but you're helping them to do a better job. I mean, parents, teachers want to do a great job. I mean, they, they really, really do. But as I said, it's, it's the lack of training. It's the lack of, inf- of education in FASD that really, I think, prevents them from being able to achieve the success that they really want. Because what happens when we
0: get it right? What's the benefit, Mark, to the family? <laughs> I imagine it just has a rippling effect, right? Like, why is it yes. so high stakes? What happens when we get it right?
1: Well, it's certainly if you could tell the difference when you meet a parent who has a child who parents and caregivers have a, a major, you know, a great understanding of FASD. And we've got one one member in our support group. I won't we'll mention her name because I didn't get her permission, sure. but she's she's amazing. She really, really understands FASD. She has a child with FASD who is very far on the spectrum. Yet, if you meet her, she's calm. She's not stressed out. Her child is, is doing amazing, considering he's really far down the spectrum. Without a doubt, he has far exceeded my expectations and, and even my hopes for him. I mean, I, he continually beats them. So I think you know, what's in it for it is a calmer, more enjoyable life a life without many of the stresses uh, we live longer <laughs> i mean uh, yeah yeah the we keep kills, our hair longer right? right yeah exactly but i think it's just it's just the right thing to do jeff you know we, and parents and caregivers also want to do the thing just like teachers but it's just like teachers if they don't know what to do and unfortunately the way we were brought up doesn't work with a child with fasd and It's unlearning what we've done, learning how to provide the right supports and accommodations, and that really achieves success. You know, you you want, you hope the best for your child. You hope that they can have some degree of interdependent living where they may actually be moving out at some point. You hope they can avoid the justice system. You hope they can avoid addictions or living on the street. And unfortunately, many of the kids, many of the children who grew up either because they didn't get a diagnosis, they were viewed as just being bad kids, they ended up getting, you know, because of the desire to make friends, ended up with the wrong crowd, get involved with drugs or alcohol, left home, run away, live on the street, end up in the justice system. I mean, that's the downside if you don't. The upside is a child who can do amazing things. I mean, I again, I mentioned Mary Tyler Moore.
0: Yeah. You know, and feel- there are... And before we started recording, what about that story you said about the dad who asked you what that one piece of advice to help their kid? Oh, to, sure. Yeah, tell them again, because I thought, okay. oh, my gosh. So they were asking you what your number one piece of advice would be.
1: Yeah, I had I was reading an individual reached out to me recently. and He has a son who was recently diagnosed with FBSD. And when he reached out to me, he said, what can I do to to help my child? Uh, to help him with his disability. And I I said, firstly, I said, by the way, thank you for asking, because I said, you know, that's amazing that you you want to know how to help your child, firstly. And secondly, I said that the number one thing you can do to provide the best help for your child is to learn as much as you can about FASD, how to support FASD, how to accommodate FASD. And I said, that will provide your son best possible success in his life because I think many many times we look at it in our school system you know they try to teach you how to be independent they try to fit you to, to conform to a mold to certain behaviors to certain things that you must learn and I, I again for a child with FASD with the right supports the right accommodations and the right you know love love them unconditionally and when things are really bad love them more. And I know it's hard. I know that is such a hard thing. It really, really is. I've I've been reading a book recently by an individual by the name of Terence Real and it's called Us. And it's it's dealing with relationships and and it's intended for couples but it's it's actually intended for relationships with everybody. Whether it's relationship right. with a child, with a partner, with your parents, with your siblings, and it really, we never have really learned how to develop a relationship properly. Frankly, Terrence actually talks about it and it says that if you actually were brought up in a normal family where they understood and they had positive, supportive relationships and dealt with conflict in an appropriate manner, et cetera, you're a rarity in this world. And I think, you know, a parent caregiver, a child with FASD, your, their, their relationship with their child is absolutely critical. You, know, you want to be seen as their protector, their ally, someone they can trust, someone that they can share things with. You know, give them a sense of safety, and I know it's not always easy. You know, I can attest to that as yeah, well. Yeah, you that can.
0: That's, you, you, come, you have a very good position because you live it, right?
1: Yeah. And, and sometimes when things are rough, pause. Think about it. and I and I I think empathy is the first thing. Get rid of logic. And the one thing Terence Reel says is it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. His response to that is who gives it down. It really boils down to how can I help this person? What can I do? And I I think that's to me when I started reading the book I thought about a lot about it I thought gee you know there's so much in here that to me relationships. Savannah and I used to talk about that a lot that having a relationship with the, with your person with FASD is absolutely critical that will guarantee their success it's when you are distant they don't feel safe they don't feel that if they have a problem they can come to you good or bad and that you're going to help them no matter what I think as I said I and I know Jeff the things I'm conveying are. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people listening to the podcast going oh my god yeah but when my daughter, my son does such and such, like, I just, like, I can't deal with
0: it. You get so triggered. Is, would, yep. Wouldn't you, would you like, you know, with your relationship with Savannah, like find yourself yeah. triggered? How did you? Oh,
1: we, 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 I think we do as humans. I think our natural tendency is to be defensive, to, to be defensive, to prove who's right.
0: Like, how did you get over that? Or through it uh, most days? Cause I'm sure you know, um, nobody's perfect. It,
1: sometimes you just swallow your pride, you, and as I said, I, I don't think in my past, you know, at the beginning, gosh, I was absolutely terrible at it. And I still do from time to time. Don't do a great job.
0: Yeah, me too. And that's
1: why actually I started reading this book because I thought, wow. And it's, it's teaching me a lot about relationship. And, and by the way, she used it recently in an, an interaction with her, one of her family members recently. and It was, had an amazing result because it was using an approach that was not natural and the response was very positive. I can't describe the details because then it would be sure. like, reaching reaching your confidentiality, yep. but it it really, it really, 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 you know, as human beings, we all we have all learned how to interact, how to relate to people. Relating to someone with FASD is very different, but it should be natural. It should be what we should be doing to all humans, whether it's a neighbor, a friend, a child, and having these skills is so important in dealing with someone with FASD. You know, when a child is having a meltdown, angry and everything, you know, one of the biggest mistakes a parent can say is like, why are you acting this way? What's wrong? Mm-hmm. Settle down, calm down. Those words, uh, you know, if, if we've had our worst day and somebody tells us that, we kind of lose it. So, because we want them to be empathetic. We want them to understand what we're saying. And so do they, I, you know, fight or fight. I mean, it's, it's really, it's fear. 99% of behaviors are fear-based. And when they are fear-based, how we respond is not through interrogation of logic. It's understanding, compassion, empathy. And as I said, those are sadly things we need to learn because I think even though we think we're good at it, True test is when things are bad. That's when it's easy to be empathetic when, when you're not in the thick of a fire. Oh the yes, that's
0: why. That's the <laughs> the benefit of coaching. That is, oh you know, that's why we do i do group coaching that is i could see the forest through the trees but if i was in their position and i was emotionally invested it clouds your executive function right because you are also so emotionally involved with it i could honestly dude i could listen to you talk all day you know what you could do in your next career is you could do voiceovers for audiobooks mark if you ever thought about (laughs) that i was just like listening to you i was like oh yeah this is awesome listen we do a segment here on my show it's called the shameless self-promotions i look good i mean really good hey
1: everyone come and see how good i look
0: i know you run a group do the yes. people need to be from hamilton to be in the group like can you give no, us some no. links how can people be a part of what you've got going on mark
1: Yeah, definitely go to our website. It's HamiltonFASDSupport.ca. And if you go to HamiltonFASDSupport.ca, we've got a lot of the stuff that I referenced in here about education, diagnostics. Yeah, there's webinars, uh, like you just give it all. And I think it's fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, we've got a number of webinars we're doing. And you mentioned at the beginning about starting support groups. And a lot of people don't have one in their area, but I can almost guarantee you that there are people who are dealing with FASD just like. They may not have a diagnosis. And in fact, I would suggest, you know, by all means, try starting a group. Even if you know a little, that collectively you'll learn a lot. Our support groups are the power of a support group is the collective knowledge and the collective sharing. It's not me. It's not, you know, I really, to be honest, I sit back in, in most of our support groups and our support group members are the ones who provide the coaching, the advice, because, Everyone has had a different experience, and it's the collective So please, by all means, as I mentioned, uh, and when Jeff asked the question, learn as much as you can to help your child with FASD. Understand the legal obligations and requirements wherever you live, both with respect to duty to accommodate, and in particular, educate yourself on how to help your child. And and like I said, don't give up because it's worth it. They're worth it.
0: Yeah, man. uh, So well done. I know you always kick butt. That's why I have you talk every year. And I said, listen, man, you know, I'm gonna keep asking you until you tell me no, just so you know. And there's a reason, Mark, you're great at it. Like you could you love this. I could tell when somebody is passionate about it. You could have just honestly have learned for yourself and had a great life with Savannah, right? And sort of kept it in-house, but you chose not to. You're not being paid for this stuff, you're going to meetings, you're evolving FASD. If we were political party man i would make you the leader and i'd be the minister <laughs> of awesome i'd accept that role no problem last question what's your favorite movie of all time
1: favorite movie gee jeff there there's been a couple i guess lately i, I mean i always love the indiana jones movies to be honest yeah and i think it's the excitement and by the way indiana which george lucas was the director yeah and as you know we have an fasd service dog sasha yeah who is an Alaskan Malamute. George Lucas had an Alaskan Malamute, which I didn't know about at the time that I loved the movie, and his Alaskan Malamute's name was Indiana. And in the third movie, Sean Connery asks Indiana, why don't you use your name? And his response was, because I was named after the dog. So little did I know that the movie that I probably loved the most ended up being named after the service dog that we now have.
0: You know, I just came to the realization I would never want to battle you in trivia. Like that is, that is for <laughs> oh. sure, man. This was great, Mark. Thanks for doing this. So will you come back and do it again?
1: Sure, Will. Yeah, absolutely. Time. Thank you for everything you do for all the parents and caregivers out there, Jeff. I mean, over the years, so the beginning, I've known you for more than a decade now, and you've always been there to help and you care. And for that, that's why I'm here today.
0: Oh, well, I appreciate that, man. And I'll send that e-transfer over as, as soon as we're done here. It's, it's nice about. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, dude. I appreciate it.
1: All Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Well, Take care.
0: Oh, my goodness. Right? Right? Nicest man. Knows his shit. Cares about individuals on the spectrum. And he's just, we're so thankful that he's on our team. And Mark, thank you so much for doing this. Going from five to six members to hosting large conferences, building partnerships. You know, when I asked him why he got involved with the group, he said, because his partner, she's his best friend. I got involved because she is someone I care very much about, someone I want the best for. Doesn't that sound familiar? The same thing that you want for your kids and your loved ones. He says he did not grow up as a disability advocate. And he thinks like most of the population, he was uncomfortable with it. Not sure what to do, not sure how to act or what to say. So keep that in mind when folks might be experiencing some symptoms for the first time that your loved one or that maybe you present. And being like a CEO for a a major insurance company is definitely an asset for us. Yes. But you don't need to be a COO of a big company to make a difference when it comes to advocacy. And again, when we were talking about how his partner found out, she didn't find out until uh, later in life. And it wasn't until her mom saw an article and thought that was it. And, you know, there's so many people that have FASD and just don't understand. So even his partner's mom started a support group. And again, he called it the I haven't got a clue diagnosis. But again, he responded medical people because his mom was a nurse. He drove an ambulance, but doctors don't want to diagnose FASD or they are uneducated about FASD. We didn't get into this, but I remember him distinctly talking about how some doctors don't want to get involved because of malpractice and the liability around it. So there's also that to consider. And then, of course, so we know the issues. We know what's going on. And I wanted to talk about what are the key things he sees in his group with parents who are successful with the support and he quote he says the parents who have been able to really communicate well to help them understand it's not that you're less than it's not that you are bad it's your brain works differently there's also another person we had on the podcast a while ago, Cindy Lejoy, who kind of purposed it as it's you and me, buddy, against your brain. Me and you are on a team and we're trying to, you know, manage your brain that sometimes gives you trouble. And then, of course, I'm going to ask him about his tip. Like, what is his number one thing that a caregiver should do to help their child? And he mentioned that chat he had with that parent. And he said, learn, study FASD. Learn how to understand and support your child. Don't focus on trying to change the child. Focus on what you need to do to help them. One of the big lessons that come out of my online coaching program is parents say you know at the start it was all about what can I do to change the behaviors change the meltdowns less aggression and as we go through the program as they're learning as they're getting support from my coaches and other people they find you know the change really was me I actually needed to do the changing And when I changed things around me started to change and Mark was talking about learning and studying and not trying to change the child because we try to mold them he says He thinks it's something that is not natural in parenting. We all think, again, we're trying to shape. We need to shape ourselves. So that's, the guy is a sage, man. He talked about relationship. And he had to throw away everything he knew about relationships and how to be supportive. And he made mistakes along the way. Who hasn't made mistakes along the way? Not understanding, not doing the right thing. And his partner has been his biggest coach on what to do and what not to do. Then I asked him about, like, his role. He talked about helping caregivers support. Supporting the child. His role is to help the person achieve the best. Just like when people first join our community, you can see the sadness, shock, disappointment. But when we understand not only the parent but the individual on the spectrum, support them, we see their success. And we have the same values. Our goal is to empower people he believes that everybody's here is put for a reason and his wasn't to be an insurance executive. Everything that he has learned is meant to do what he's meant to do and I hope he continues to do it for a long time. And then we talked about, last but not least, we moved into talking about the education system which is one of the most popular topics not only in my coaching program but in general and Mark says 99% of the IEPs are not worth the paper they're written on and now is the time when the school are preparing for IEPs and we talked about the difference between an IPRC and an IEP you know an IPRC is to determine whether a child's resources or accommodations then based on that the level of support a child needs IEP indicate independent education plan so just think IPRC placement IEP plan and so then then he gives some excellent advice right Look at the Education Act in your jurisdiction. Look at supporting individuals with disabilities. Look at accommodation. Google is your friend. He says one of the things he's found is that most IEPs are not individual. In fact, if parents were to collaborate, they would find the IEP for each of their children. Other than the name of the children being different, usually 95% to 100% is copy. It's the same words. Even if they have individualized, most schools don't understand what is required to support a child with FASD. Do not include accommodations or appropriate support. So they are generically worded. So then he talked about what most IEPs do not address, but should. For instance, what are the early signs of anxiety? What is the best accommodation for the child when they are overwhelmed? How should I be teaching this child to prevent them from being overwhelmed? What is the order of classes they should be doing? When do they need to take a break? All important questions, all questions to be considered and placed in the IEP. There are so many things that are critical to helping a child succeed in school, but the vast majority are missing that information then he talked about the duty to accommodate he talked about ieps are legal documents he talked about the duty to accommodate it is the legal requirement that this is where the parents and caregivers should be collaborating with the teachers because they know they know and so what do we do to make ieps better more individualized we use smart goals is it specific is the goal measurable is it achievable Is it relevant? And to make sure that it is time bound. Make sure that this isn't open-ended. When you're hitting a SMART goal, there needs to be a deadline. Of course, it's not firm and it's malleable, but you need to have a date on paper to get it done. And this is what helps people become successful. And we talked about the rebuttals, the excuses that some boards might give. And he says, like, the law is the law. Look up education, duty to accommodate in your area. Print it out. Bring it with you. If you understand what their legal obligation is to support the child, then that's so powerful. If you do your homework, he can almost guarantee you will probably know more than the person sitting across the table. Of course, last but not least, he talked about deeper level of relationships. He says, everything we do for individuals with FASD is what we should be doing naturally. Think about you on your worst day and then react that way. How would you want to be supported? He says he realizes it's easy to be empathetic when you're not in the thick of it. And that's why it's important to have a support group. But again, they've got a great website, hamiltonfasdsupport.ca. It's going to be on our blog, fasdsuccess.com slash podcast. I know you're going to want to listen to this 10 times. He is amazing. And I can't say enough. But. I will say this. So we've been doing something in the laboratory at research and development here at FASD Success HQ. And so I have seen since we're coming upon the school year and I have seen some great organizations do great things like a little back to school package and. People were still asking about it in our group and talking about it. So I said, you know what? I am going to make one. And we have been working really, really hard on it and been getting feedback on it. And we know people are excited about it. And it is almost done. Here's the difference. So I believe I'm calling it Understanding Me, an individual with FASD. And so not only is it going to have things where you could put your kids' strengths and weaknesses, but it's also going to have information about FASD, the way that I deliver information. So not only is it going to come in this sweet little PDF package, but what's going to separate us is I'm also creating a video to go along with it. So, because some people would prefer to watch a video, some people would prefer to read the document. We want to make sure that we could address both of those needs, those learning needs for the people in your life that need to see this, mainly the educators. So, it is almost done. We are hurrying, we're trying to get it done before the end of the month so people can have it when they go back to school. If you want like an early to be one of the first people before I put it out in terms of on Facebook and Instagram, just email me Jeff at F A S D and put school package. And I will make sure to put all of the emails that I get in a folder and I will just reply as soon as it's done. And I will send you the information because you guys are listening. You're listening right now. You're listening at this hour at this time of the hour that means you want to get better and i believe from the feedback we've got the preliminary feedback we've gotten that this is going to help do just that and of course we're going to be looking for more feedback and just making it better 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 and at this point in time it's going to be free it's going to be free so just tell me jeff at fasdforever.com that you want the school package and as soon as i get it as soon as we look it over and i'm like the video works everything's awesome that i am going to send it to you first because I freaking love you and I admire how hard you work because I know how hard it is even on the days and the weeks it seems like we're doing nothing but backpedaling and just dragging through the mud to try and make some headway but you still keep moving forward as long as if you're falling man just keep falling forward let's Get after this together. I just, I love you. I appreciate you listening to my show more than you know. And I love this symbiotic relationship and I want to help you. So let's just keep working together. Let's keep moving forward and just so we can make your life just more peace and have your kids be able to have a better shot at having amazing outcomes because they're really good kids. And we both know that. So until next week, my friends, until next week, thank you so much for listening. I love your face and I'll see you then.
1: All right. Bye.